0: Our scripture lesson this morning is found in the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter, the first through the 14th verses. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to the father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning I was reminiscing and I remembered a time when there was a preacher named Harry Veen who was the pastor in Cleveland, Texas. And he must have been, was it nine years he pastored there, Sharon? It's about nine years he was there. During the time that he pastored there, many of my relatives, my aunts, my uncles, different uh, members of my family passed away. And First Methodist Cleveland, Texas was the home church for so much of our family. And sometimes I would be a part of the service. Harry was obviously always a part of the service. And uh, so anyway, the thing is, is that we were having some sort of a get together. I think it was a Christmas get together at my mom and dad's house. And one of my children was looking around and she said, where's Uncle Harry? No, not Uncle Harry. Where's Cousin Harry? Where's Cousin Harry? And we said, who? Who? cousin Harry why isn't cousin Harry here and we had to figure out she was talking about Reverend Veen the thing is he had been so much a part of my kids lives they knew he had to be a relative they knew he wasn't my brother or sister that he was a little bit further out there so they figured out that he was a cousin Now, the thing is, obviously, he was not. But the thing is, is that to them, he was family. But he wasn't really family, you see. And, you know, the reason why is because he always showed up at the family get-togethers. Now, the point of all that is that we're living in a time where people are very confused about the Christian faith, we're living in a time uh, where people have so much uncertainty. And I have had people even ask, or I've had people tell me, "I just don't know if I'm a Christian or not." And this coming to the coming to the place where there are more and more people who they're coming to church. They're going through the motions. They're being seen uh, as a part of the church, but they're really not Christians. And some of them have been deceived even into thinking they are because they've been telling each other, just like in the emperor's new clothes, how everybody was uh, uh, just oohing and on over the emperor's clothes that he did not have. But everybody just wanted to go along with everybody else. They didn't want to be the one that wound up being able to not see the clothes. Because if you recall in the story, it was said that it was only people who were liars or something like that that couldn't see his clothes. So they were all thinking, "Ooh, I don't want everybody to know that I'm a liar. So they kept quiet. And so that's the way it is many times in church is people will sit there thinking everybody else around me has this stuff all together but me. Whenever we sing in the garden and they sing about he'll walk with me and talks with me and tells me I'm his own. They're walking with him and talking with him but not me. When we sing Oh, let's see, what's another song that we sing? Well, you can just think of uh, all the different songs uh, that we sing where we talk about our wonderful, well, blessed assurance, the one we sang at the beginning today. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste. And you know, and he goes on talking about just the joys of being a Christian. And there are a lot of people that are thinking, everybody around me knows what this is really all about but me and then there are others that have been told by others oh this is all just figurative language it doesn't really have any meaning today it's just stuff that we say it's just things that we do but yeah you're a christian because you joined the church yeah i saw you i was there well you see that was me for many years. I thought everybody had this Christian stuff all together but me, and I wasn't sure, and I got to the point to where I at least had enough integrity to think, this stuff may all be a joke. If it is all falsehood, I don't want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of something that's real. I don't want to be one of the crowd in the emperor's new clothes that goes around just not saying what is is obvious. Well, the thing is, is that whenever, just like John Wesley, John Wesley, the founder of our denomination for years and years and years, he lived in the fear of God. He lived with lots of questions. He lived in trying and trying and working and working and trying to please God. And then he finally received the gospel. And when he received the gospel, that's whenever he said his heart was strangely warmed. He was going by what other people were saying around him instead of what God's word says. And it was that someone expounded on God's word in the book of Romans that all of a sudden, John Wesley was one with the Lord. He knew that Christ had died for his sins. And he knew that he was at peace with God. And that is what happens whenever you finally really Don't just acknowledge the gospel, but receive it. All of a sudden, all sorts of iffiness and confusion just goes away. You know, there are a lot of questions, a lot of you'll find people that are members of churches that are still wondering if there really is a God. There, there are those who say, "Can I really believe the Bible?" And then there are those who'll argue in the church and say, "No, you can't." Then there are those that they'll question and say, "How can I know I'm really saved? How can I know I'm going to heaven?" And they're afraid that maybe they have missed the boat. And then some of them will even wonder if there is there really a heaven. Or is after this is all over, are we all just dead? And in our culture, we're having all these different arguments about even what truth is. You know, like you can't even be sure which restroom you're supposed to go in anymore. I mean, it's just incredible how messed up people are getting these days. And we're living in a time of great uncertainty when everything in our culture everything in our church seems shaky but the thing is there are things that have rung true and will continue to ring true all through eternity and those are the things of God the thing is is that uh, whenever you come to really receive the gospel, the good news of God in Jesus Christ, uncertainty just goes away. And so, in the, the meaning of, or in the midst of all this uncertainty, I want to share with you certain things that have never changed and never will change. That are going to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. And some of you may have never heard the entire gospel given and gone through at one time. And so this morning, uh, in order to remove any uncertainty from your life and from your heart, I want to share this with you. And this is really, I've gone through this for, for for weeks, seems like years now, on the thing whom the Son sets free. And this is the last thing we're going to be talking about, I promise, is He sets you free from uncertainty. When you come to know Him as Savior and Lord and all the fullness that He has called you to, uncertainty flies out the window. So first of all, Here's the first thing that never changes. The nature of God never changes. In all these centuries that the Christian faith has been around, God has not changed. In fact, let's just face it, from eternity to eternity, God has never changed. He never will change. It just boggles my mind whenever I realize that we exist, not just that God exists, but there has been something around forever or we wouldn't be here. If there had not always been something, there could never be anything. Do you see that? And that thing which is behind it all is not a thing, but a person God himself through all eternity in all these centuries he has said i am the lord i do not change in numbers 2319 god is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should change the bible says that god is from and i love this phrasing everlasting To everlasting. That's, if you can go in a straight line forever one way, in a straight line forever the other way, you're still going to see God ahead of you. From everlasting to everlasting. Well, it says that there's no variation, or shadow, or turning. People are wanting to say he changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. They want to say there's one God of the Old Testament, one God of the New Testament. And yet, those people are wanting to embrace just the New Testament and embrace Jesus. They fail to realize the Old Testament was his Bible. I mean, it's all it all points to him. Do you see that? And uh, anyway... God also is unchanging in his holiness. God is a holy God and a righteous God. It says in Revelation, the angels cry out, Holy, 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 Lord God almighty, who was and is and is to come. Also, God is unchanging in his judgment. A day is coming in which all of us will stand before the judgment of Almighty God to give an account of our lives. We will give an account of what we did with his son, Jesus Christ, and of our response to him. And when, whenever he said, I love you, I want to forgive you, I want to change you, I want to be your friend, Whenever we stand before God, they say, what did you do with my son? How will you answer? What will we do with Christ? The Bible also says that the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. God's also unchanging in his love. He demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, it says, Christ died for us. He loves us. He's interested in us so much so that he could tell you how many hairs are on your head. And that changes daily for me. It changes too quick. But he keeps up. He knows all about us. And he loves us. He loves us with a love that we cannot understand. When we come to Christ and give our hearts and our lives to him, he will give agape love his love to us so that we can love people whom we usually wouldn't even like. Now we're going to love them. He will give us a supernatural power to love. The word of God has not changed. The grass withers, the flower fades, but Scripture says the word of our God stands forever. That's in Isaiah 40, verse 8. The Bible was given to us by God. The Bible is our guide, our guide, and our compass through life. There are a lot of people today who say, I just don't want to put my Uh, trust in some book that was written by a bunch of old men a long time ago that doesn't have anything to do with today. It wasn't written by a bunch of old men. Whenever it says that all scripture is God-breathed, it's saying that God directed, God brought it about. It is His Word, and we can believe it. But that's one of the things that you have to settle in your heart before you can move on and even attempting all the other things of God. The first question that the devil put to Eve in that encounter of the Garden of Eden was, has God indeed said he was questioning the word of God? The devil do everything in his power to keep you from reading God's Word, from studying it, because believing the message in this book will change you forever. Human nature has not changed. I remember getting in a discussion, I'll say, with a pastor. In fact, he was my boss. He was the first pastor that I worked for when I was a youth director uh, while I was going to seminary. And uh, I just happened, we were in this uh, uh, study where it was saying getting the truth about the Bible. And really, it was, uh, you can't really believe the Bible is what the book was really all about. But as we were there, we got to this part. It was about evolution. Evolution. And one of the things that had become clear to me was how the heart of humanity never changes. If you look back, David looking down on Bathsheba, he has not. The men have not changed from way back then to now. If you look through scripture, you will find human nature is the same. And uh he starts arguing with me, saying, "Oh, but we have changed. I've changed." Uh, my, my, I said, "Well, how have you? How are you different from the people that were back?" Well, I'm taller, and uh, I don't have as much hair on my head. And I said, "I'm talking about your heart." And he just got all upset whenever I was telling him that his nature was no different. Because you see, there was a time back in the '50s, '60s, and even into the '70s where people were thinking. You know, humanity is really God's answer to the world. And we're going to bring about the kingdom of God because we're just going to continue to get better and better and better. And then that line in the song, when the darkness will turn to the dawning and the dawning to noonday bright and God's great kingdom will come on earth, a kingdom of love and light. They thought that that was going to be like the age of Aquarius, you know. They, they thought that we were all heading toward this great utopia and that everybody was going to get along. I think that experience has put the lie to that, don't you think? Drugs didn't get us there. They're just killing us harder and faster, aren't they? I mean, there's so many things where we, all, we put our store in humanity getting better. Humanity was going to save the world. Humanity was going to bring God's kingdom in. And now it's clear that one of these days, and it may be very soon, we're going to hear a shout from heaven, and it's probably going to be enough as God comes back to set things finally straight. We're seeing every day that God's word is being proven more and more true than we ever thought it could be 20, 30 years ago even. But his word has not changed. Human nature has not changed. The human heart is the same everywhere and has been the same for in all the generations before us and will be in any generations that come after us. And the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're sinners. We've broken God's moral law, laws of God. We're all sinners. And this is just it. The moral law has never changed. I'll say that again. The moral law has never changed. God gave the moral law to Moses, who recorded it in the Ten Commandments. You shall love and have no other gods before me. Anything can become a false god. Honor your father and your mother. Even when we no longer have to obey our fathers and mothers, we're supposed to honor them. You shall not commit adultery. Adultery is thrown at us from every angle these days. I don't know how people today can stay clean and pure in their moral lives without Christ. With Christ, we can. You shall not steal. Robberies, muggings, all kinds of things like these are going on. We can learn about them every day in the news. Uh, I have lived places where if you want to get rid of something, just put it on your front porch. You'll be gone in the morning. You know, I mean, I left my, in Memorial, when we were living in the Memorial area of Houston, I left my bicycle unchained and unlocked on the side of our townhouse one night and the next morning it was gone. I mean, I have had CB radio stolen out of my car and nowadays we're living in places where people just kick your door in and come in to steal from you. They'll try to steal your car from you while you're driving it. I mean, it's just getting worse and worse, isn't it? And so, the thing is, is that people steal all the time well you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor that's lying oh my goodness well we won't even go there these are from the 10 commandments and scripture says that if we have broken one of these commandments we're guilty of breaking all of them and so we're all guilty in the sight of God and that makes us sinners. And sin comes between us and God. We are separated from God by our sin. We all need Christ. I remember having a lady in my church up in Texarkana that she said that she had never sinned. And I was just amazed. I said, really? I mean, I was impressed. I said, you mean you never intentionally hurt somebody's feelings and all I went through several other things. Oh, well, I guess if you put it like that, I guess I have, you know, she just, she was thinking she hadn't killed anybody or robbed any banks. You know, she thought that was sinning, but the little things, those didn't matter. If it's stealing, it's stealing. If it's lying, it's lying. The thing is, and if it's being mean, it's being mean. There are no excuses for it. So the thing is, we all need Christ. And the way of salvation has not changed. Some people, well, how can I be saved in in the United Methodist Church? I mean, there are people, they think that you shouldn't even talk about salvation. All you talk about is being good and helping people. But there's a lot more to it than that. If you're just being good and helping people, you're no different than the Rotary Club, Lions Club, Kiwanis Club, and yet the church is supposed to be a place filled with people who have been transformed by the love of God and those who have come to know Him and those who know they're going to heaven, uh, those who are totally connected to God those who have been saved the church is made up of saved saints and yet some people will say you know saved from what i just told you what saved from sin so how can you have a changed life scripture says nor is there salvation in any other For there is no other name under heaven nor in earth whereby men shall be or must be saved. Jesus said, as we read today in our scripture lesson, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one. Notice he says no one. These are Jesus words. No one comes to the father except by me. No one comes to the father through Buddha. No one comes to the Father through Allah. No one comes to the Father through Mohammed. They all come through Jesus. There's no other way. Jesus said that we need to enter the narrow gate to walk down the narrow road. There's only one way and that way is through Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins shed his blood for us and rose again. He is the living Christ. God is not calling us to a dead Christ on a cross. He's calling us to the living Christ. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is coming back and the kingdom of God will prevail. The only way that God Uh, let's say the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. He is the only one in history of whom it is written. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever he will never change, but you need to change. And today, out of love, if you have not received it before, he offers you salvation this day. He can come into your heart right now and change you. There's a, I started to read a, a passage of a hymn. Since Jesus came into my heart, I don't have time to read it this morning, but it starts off. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. When he comes into your heart, then you walk with him and you talk with him and he tells you you are his own. And there's an intimacy there that you can have in no other way. It's the beginning of a whole new life when he comes in through the presence of his Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean you become perfect overnight. As long as you live on this earth, you're going to be imperfect. You're going to need an eraser, just like we were talking about with the kids. And you won't find a perfect church. Only one who has ever lived was perfect, and that was Jesus himself. There are three things that you must do in order to be saved. The first is repent of your sins. And I've discovered that there's more to repenting than just being sorry. And there's more to repenting than just saying, I'm going to try. At the heart of repenting is a determination. I am not going to sin anymore. I am not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to look at that anymore. I'm not going to think about this anymore I'm not going to let my heart lead me this way anymore. And you commit to being different. That's a part of repentance. It means to change. It means to change your mind, to change your way of living, to change your attitude. You can't do it alone, but God can help you to change. Repent, therefore, and be converted and be changed that your sins may be blotted out, it says. The Apostle Paul, when he preached his great sermon in Athens, he said, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. All men and women have been commanded by God to repent. They've been commanded by God to change. If you're ever to get to heaven, if you're ever to have your sins forgiven, if you're ever to have an assurance and peace and joy in Christ in this life, it begins and you need to repent. Second, you need to believe. The word believe means much more than just head belief. It means that you put your confidence in him. You put your entire the entire weight of your thought and hope in him. As many as received him, it says, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. You need to put your confidence in him and quit putting it in something else and quit avoiding putting your confidence in him. You need to commit yourself to him without reservation. Finally, you must confess him openly. He says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no such thing as a Lady Clairol Christian. Now, some of you are too young to know what that means. Lady Clairol, the commercials for years, was only her hairdresser knows for sure. If you're a Christian Christian, It ought to be obvious. It ought to be written all over you. People should know that you're saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Question, if you haven't received the gospel, if you haven't given your life to him and asked him to come in, Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be? Some of you, again, may not know what saved means. It means that you're saved from judgment. And once you're saved, you don't worry about being judged anymore. You don't worry about it. You have peace with God. It means that you're saved from hell. You don't have to worry about going there anymore. It means you have a new joy and a new peace in your heart a new power to face the problems of your life, it means that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. And while you're alive, you're going to know that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. No iffiness about it, you will know. Without salvation, without knowing Christ, you cannot have that. But when you come to Him, He changes you. If you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus. You do that today and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. If there's any doubt in your heart that you know Christ, I encourage you to say today, I want to be sure. I want to be certain that Christ lives in me. Christ can come into your life. I'm not calling you to join a church. I'm not calling you to be a part of an organization. I'm calling you to the person of Jesus Christ on behalf of God Almighty himself. Make sure that Christ lives in your heart.